You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. And for the 50th episode, I am so pleased to welcome back our guest from episode number 20, Vanessa Stalker. Welcome, Vanessa. Hi, Kay. How are you doing? Good, good. It's so great to have you back on. And one of the things I mentioned to you, you know, like we have had a you know good discussion about art and your theories about art and all that type of thing so wanted to just kind of welcome you back and to just chat about what's been going on since we last uh chatted um and hear about some of the development of your art and uh so uh again welcome back what uh what type of art what type of things have you been into uh have you been into lately has, has caught your eye Thank you so much. Um, well, at, at the moment, I've just been, uh, I guess, playing with uh, shiny things. I like, I like painting shiny things and the reflections, and um, I just find them really fun. And I think they've got a bit of a wow factor as well. Um, so, and maybe working on a little bit more realism as well, even though. <laughs> The subject matter is uh, quite strange, but just in technique, I've been, I think, um, fine-tuning with, uh, I guess, you know, smaller brushes and that sort of thing. Um, and I've got a couple of favourite painters that, that I really love on um, Instagram or, well, that's an easy way, way to find them. Um, I really like Lewis Chamberlain and he's English. Um, just really, really beautiful drawings uh, and paintings. And um, Guillermo uh, Lorca from uh, Chile, he's, you probably know his work, but he's just amazing. And, okay. yeah, a little bit obsessed. <laughs> yeah, and thanks, thanks for, for, uh, for mentioning those. Um, I want to go back for a second. You mentioned the wow factor around painting some of the metallic type of objects and i just wanted to note note i saw the how you'd painted it was um it was a balloon and i could see and looking more closely as far as how the painting was that it was really by the combination of color that you were able to like pronounce that effect it was really amazing and i just kept staring at it do you have an easy way of explaining how you connect those colors to create what looks like a shiny balloon in a painting uh, well, I think it really comes down to the way that you're you're looking at something, the shiny. So if you think of it as a balloon, and you and you keep thinking of it as a two dimensional, three dimensional object, I think that can make it really difficult to reproduce. But the way I look at it is, yeah, as a two dimensional object, I just look at the shapes that I see and the colours and the tonal differences between those, and I just put them together uh, in the way that it looks, but I, I don't think if... I, it's just a matter of putting um, random... It seems like random shapes and colours together that that forms this sort of magical 
um, three-dimensional object uh, when you look at it. So it, it's quite an abstract way of thinking when you put it together. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to ask, um, and, and thanks for that description. I know it's kind of tough to describe like how to, how like that's achieved. Um, but that, that made a lot of sense to me. I wanted to ask you about, there's this, uh, magazine. I love, um, high fructose and some listeners might be, you know, familiar, uh, with it. It's, you know, uh, kind of self-announced, um, kind of like lowbrow art, a uh, very beautiful, wild uh, magazine. And Vanessa, as I understand that you're going to be in an upcoming issue. Can you chat a little bit about High Fructose and what that experience was like uh, connecting with that publication? Yeah, it looks like I'm in the September issue uh, with quite a lot of my images there. And um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. I love that magazine. Um, so I think there was, there was some interview process as well, but, um, I, I'll be interested to see what, what's been said there. How it's all put together when it's all, <laughs> when yeah. it's all said and we'll done. See what, what images have been chosen and, and what's been said that, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Again, one of my uh, favorite magazines. Uh, point of personal privilege, Vanessa, really strong divergence. I, I've been on a Australian licorice kick, and I, I was, uh, wanted to ask you, like, why Australian licorice is so good and whether you had a licorice mountain there, and that's where it came from. <laughs> uh Look, there, there probably is a licorice mountain. I, I haven't, um, I haven't been hiking on it yet. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, we do have really good licorice, and uh, your recent obsession with it. Um, maybe you should tell us a little bit about uh, why that is. I know. You know what's. You know what's interesting. Um, there are people. I, I think it's like a genetic type of thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, you put it back on me, so I'm going to falter. I'm sure I'm going to falter, but there's something strong genetically where you either hate black licorice, for example, or you love black licorice. Uh, and it's like, there's no middle ground and there's some, yeah. something you have inside of you respond the way the, it's like the, uh, for cilantro it tastes great to some people and some people it tastes like soap. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like there's no in between. So my only excuse is since there's no in between and I can be an obsessive type, yeah. I've gone obsessive into the high quality Australian licorice pro you know, product supporting the great country of Australia. Right. Yeah. yeah. Look, look, it's good. And when I was younger, um, I don't think I had a lot of control over how much licorice I could eat. Um, but I, I would buy a bag of the, you know, the Daryl Lee black licorice and I pretty much, I could finish off a whole packet in an afternoon and that I can just let you know is a very terrible idea. Um, yes, it's, uh, it's, um, it gives you some pretty bad digestive issues. So like, like all good things, uh, on earth and in in our lives i think you need to take um your licorice uh, addiction rather you know seriously and, and and make sure you don't overindulge 
just in moderation, right? Like just yeah. from that, that ancient uh, wisdom. Yeah. Um, well, oh, well I'm going to speak. I, I have to ask you about another uh, immoderate thing, though. Um, I had uh, discussed with you a while back. I don't think it was in the podcast, but about uh, a movie I loved. And I saw that inspired some paintings from you. Um, the movie uh, Midsommar, which uh, was... I don't know, just like I love talking about movies, and that was just a wild movie, and I've talked about it once or twice on the podcast. But one of the the main questions, and I'm not saying this is the only way to frame that movie, is the question of whether it is one of these three things, whether it is a pagan manifesto, whether it's a surrealist breakup movie, or lastly, whether it is... A Wizard of Oz story for perverts. So uh, those are the three. You can you can disqualify all those options, but if you favor one, why do you favor it? Look, I'll I'll have to play the fifth. Yeah. But that being said, um, I think probably it's yeah it's. The Wizard of Oz for perverts. Um, wh- wh- what is not to love about date rape, you know, psychedelia, inbreeding, suicide, um, and all so beautifully shot? What's not to love about it? Uh, I've got to say it was the most um, uh, sh- shocking and beautiful film I've, I've seen, perhaps ever. Yeah. Like at the same time. Wasn't that part yeah. of the problem? It was like at yeah. the same time? At the same time, um, and it was... So shocking, and for it to be, you know, in the in the bright light of day, the entire film, um, yeah, it just blew my head off. But the beauty of those uh, flowers in the flowers oh, in the dress is just so beautiful. Yeah, that so dress much. Is so outstanding. <laughs> yeah. So there's just so much thematic material in there too. Um, the writing was amazing. The direction was excellent. Um, and and it was really sick. So it had um, a lot of, it had it all going for it, for me. <laughs> yeah, it can exercise some demons or or not, depending. You have to have the right approach going into that one. That's why I've, I've recommended it, but always with, uh, you know, with caution, right? Yeah, so. I go um, on a first date. <laughs> I wouldn't watch that on the couch as a first date. No, that's a bad. That's a I bad call. Anyone would be touching anything. Um, not even. <laughs> anything, you know that's that image has also been ruined. But um, but I think watching it alone uh, in the daylight is is a good plan. So what we got is Midsommar is not a good first date movie. Uh, so we no. do have an answer. Uh, yeah. to, to, to that question um, about the famous uh, cat Kevin that shows up in uh, your paintings and listeners if you're not familiar with uh, Vanessa Stockard um, great way to check her out is on Instagram and uh, to see kind of the the, the deep wit um, uh, of her paintings and uh, incredible beautiful paintings uh, at that but 
uh, Vanessa. So I've seen some recently where Kevin uh, the cat and there's some aspects of animation is tied to um, your paintings and your paintings are so they're vibrant, they're beautiful and they open up a world. Is it a natural transition for you to see that like that world be animated even in, in snippets? Is that kind of how you think about it? Yeah, look, I um, I love telling stories and I just think um, sometime along the line I'd really like to be involved in quite some serious animation. At the moment I've had a Kevin fan, I guess, do um, a collaborative work with me from Finland. Um, her name is Jenny Panassen and she's really, really talented. I love what she does. Mostly what I... I just play around with my images on a couple of apps and um, there's a certain amount you can do. There's probably a lot you can do, um, but, yeah, I've just been using apps to, to play around with um, different effects and create a little bit of movement, nothing very sophisticated so far. I've seen some of the recent work you've done uh, bringing in Alice in, in Wonderland, which, is, of course, is a fantastic, wonderful, wild world. Does that have any particular meaning for you, um, the book, the subject matter, the imagery? I think when you've got a, a child and you're reading all of these books again, as an adult, it's just uh, it's so invigorating and... The imagination that's involved um, within those books is just, uh, in, it's just incredible. Uh, and um, I guess I just really love reconnecting with, with the story. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very surreal, the story. It's, it's got amazing just so much uh, thematic material again to work with. So it's, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. And I thought maybe I'd take Kevin and, and, um, and he can have a little voyage down, down the, uh, the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful and it's just striking uh, imagery. And it's always like this pleasant surprise to, to, to see it, even though it's, you know, it can be familiar for some, but it's so wild and fantastic. Yeah. I was, oh, it was just, oh, yeah. It, it, it just has that vibrancy to it. Um, speaking, uh, you know, that you mentioned, you know, spending time with your child um, and, you know, maybe kind of rediscovering some of those stories uh, from when you were younger. Have you found that to happen uh, in general, say with, I don't know, say whether it be books or movies or any type of media where you found yourself kind of reassessing or re-enjoying re some of the things that you recall when you were younger? I really do. I really do. Um, you know, we, we still believe in fairies in this house and, um, you know, we've got little fairy houses and doors and all sorts of things. We've got a little letterbox and little treats are left there from the fairies if she's been good, uh, which is not often at the moment. But... Um, yeah, look, it's that little wonderland that they live in is is it's very endearing, um, and um, they also have, believe in monsters as well. So it's it's very it's very uh, flip of the coin, you know. It's 
and which is something I really love. I love that sort of sickly sweet thing and then I like that sort of dark, frightening, unknown and somewhere in between there is my happy place. So, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's a, a really good time to be creative, I think. Yeah, and then speaking about in this time, uh, one of the things I've asked artists recently is, of course, you know, within, uh, you know, within the pandemic, just as far as creativity, and sometimes some felt like additional pressure or, or not, or, you know, questions where artists might ask about, like, what it is that they're doing or want to focus on something else. What is what has been you know your your experience um, you, you know just for yourself you as an artist and, and you know deep inside what what's been going on for you? For me, honestly, I don't think the pandemic has made a difference to my work practice uh, much at all. Base and that's because I've already got a very. Um, I guess, you know, I just work by myself alone uh, most days and and so nothing really has changed. Um, it's, you know, I, I guess I can't go out for coffee or, you know, that sort of thing, but really there's not been that much difference. Um, I can imagine that it may, it may have put a lot of pressure on people that say can't go to their jobs and they've always wanted to be creative or they are creative and they've probably felt some pressure to, you know, if there's any time to, to make art, it's now. Um, and maybe that, that doesn't work out for people either because pressure is not what you need to be creative. It needs to feel like play. And when you're watching the news, it doesn't really make you want to play, does it? So I'm still avoiding the news for the for the most part, um, and just living in my own little bubble, which is just what I do um, to survive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it's business as usual for me. Yeah, as a creative, and I, I know it's had a you know a different impacts on those as far as what be routine and other folks you know kind of uh, yeah. buckled down in you know kind of how they live and what they do. Um, one of the things um, I was interested in 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 reading uh, recently is um, some support uh, that you've had for a project um, in Australia. Uh, that you've promoted called the the torch project i wanted to ask you a little bit more about your connection uh to that and and, and what it is that that project does yeah right um as i say i i do tend to focus on the positive in in most things um you know i like to peddle happiness and uh and this particular organization is just so successful and so positive and so um, inspiring as well basically what they do is they teach um, people in in detention and in and out of detention um, indigenous community teach them how to paint and 
I guess those paintings that they make are for sale. And basically they form this real identity with making art and with themselves. And the the most amazing thing is the percentage of reoffending with with the people within the program is from 80 percent has gone down to ten percent. I mean that's that's the success rate that uh, can't be denied, and it's changed the lives for these people. That's and, in, that's incredible. And, that change yeah. in recidivism uh, rate. Um, that I mean that's so significant, and I know for social policy that's what. Some folks look towards of like, you know, what is the environment within the correctional system yeah. and is that environment conducive or helping people rehabilitate their behavior, right? That, so Yeah. Um but this is something that really is working. That's and that's incredible. How, yeah. arts, like how amazing. And how good I mean, how do you feel when you make art? Um I just I've I've done something it's it's uh, at times it's like breathing at times it's like oh i've crossed the the river that i thought was too difficult to get across and i made it and you know yeah. i just it get it gets you somewhere it gets you there there's some sort of transformation so right i guess that's yeah. part of it right yeah it's it's a very healing uh, um process i think m making painting you can work through your emotions and also you can divert your attentions from the troubles that you have and just take it somewhere else and, and have your right, some breathing space, which I think uh, must be really, really difficult if you're in detention and, um, and life outside of that after being in detention also is very difficult. So giving you something really um, like art to focus on and create an identity through making art is just the best. Yeah, uh, wonderful to wonderful to to, to hear. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask uh, Vanessa is, is I know you got some uh, shows in in some galleries um, that that's out there. I just wonder if you could kind of just comment. Um, to place to place that or where your work's going to be shown and whether some of those uh, possibilities have you know be able to access it online. We had talked earlier about the high fructose mm -hmm. issue, the September issue. Uh, I was just wondering about some of your other work that might be uh, showing up in different formats. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a solo show, um, and it is with Scott Livesey Galleries in Melbourne. Melbourne is COVID uh, shut down presently but the show will still go ahead and it will be online so that will be on their website also i'm showing at larson gallery in minnesota with the university there so um if anyone is in that region i'm not quite sure what the laws are um with restricting gallery access i'm not quite sure what's happening there but sure. um, yeah that's that's happening what this month and um and then i'm going to be showing in a new gallery um in bondi 
sometime afterwards. But uh, other than that, it's, it's still a little bit, you know, we need to play things by ear to see what is happening with with this virus and um, and you never, I guess you can't really stick completely to, to plans at the moment. Yeah. Well, and thanks for mentioning uh, some of those um, spots. And I know a lot of galleries in different areas under uh, different uh, type of parameters. You know, for instance, Portland Art Museum, just I think it, towards the end of July here, 2020, uh, open it up in a limited fashion, timed yeah. entry, that type of thing. So in certain areas, you certainly do see that. Um, I'm really excited to hear about the uh, the different places you're going to be having uh, your exhibits. And um, I, I've noticed, uh, you know, just speaking for myself, Vanessa, just like a lot of attention, you know, on your Instagram and in other places and excitement that is noticeable from your fans um, about your art. And I just really wanted to point that out because um, that's what kind of drew me to uh, your paintings. They do have that uh, fantastic quality and, and wonder. And um, it's great to see just as far as the amount of people who are looking at your work and, and building you up. It's uh, been very pleasant to, to witness. And I just wanted to extend that to you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really glad that, you know, the response has been so positive. But um, I guess I do it to make myself feel better and and um, it, it seems to make others feel better too. So it's a win-win. It's Absolutely. Um, thank you, Vanessa Stockard. Uh, episode 50 of the podcast um thank you for honoring us uh by coming on our 50th and hope to see your paintings and what you do everywhere and anywhere thank you so much for your time thank you so much ken donate too much licorice i I, well, uh, I might have some now but uh i'll keep that in mind moderation <laughs> yeah. thanks vanessa thank you All right, bye, bye. You are listening to something rather than nothing.